0: If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at TheOrganicView.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's Finest Naturally, authentic pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seed oil from the Styermark, available at OrganicUniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive $1 off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. Also, don't forget to check out our contest section on our website to submit your information for our free monthly giveaways. For more information, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com forward slash contests. Today we're going to talk about whether or not you should consume artificially sweetened products as opposed to those which contain sugar. On today's show, Judge Mary Nash Stoddard, who's an became authority and a 30-year veteran expert who talks about this constantly. She's counseled so many people. She's counseled airline pilots to military pilots to concerned parents, concerned citizens, and she's been doing a magnificent job. But lately there has been a lot in the news about artificial sweeteners and, and actually if they have true health benefits. So we have a lot to talk about today. So I'd like to welcome to the show
1: Judge Mary Nash Stoddard. Good afternoon, Mary, and welcome back. Thank you so much, June. It's great to be here. Mary,
0: before we begin, can you take a moment and share with our listeners a little bit about your history and how you got involved as an Aspartame Advocate?
1: I got involved originally uh, over 30 years ago or about 30 years ago, three decades, when my husband developed a brain tumor and succumbed to that cancer in 1985. I began doing research on neurology and what causes brain cancers and that sort of thing And I went to the medical school with my doctor's blessing and researched in in the library and finally came up with some startling answers that aspartame, artificial sweeteners, are causing people to be ill. They're causing brain tumors and pancreatic tumors and breast tumors and uterine tumors, all kinds of horrible things, which... Astonished me because I was a sugar-free person. I used to write ads for uh, Diet Dr Pepper, and our house was a virtually sugar-free zone house. And so, when aspartame came out, I embraced that and wanted wanted to lose a little weight. Went to Weight Watchers and started getting sick. I had taken uh, Sweet and Low for years and never been sick on that. So this didn't taste right to me and it felt funny. And so I worked with my doctor, worked with specialists, worked with a neuropharmacologist, and eventually June ended up writing the first toxicology source book written that aspartame is causing harm in people's lives. And so that was called Deadly Deception, Story of Aspartame. And I was invited, because of uh, my involvement, to go and testify at the Senate hearing on aspartame safety, which I did. Met a pilot there, and the rest is history. We started a pilot hotline, and I've worked with uh, 60 Minutes and all kinds of producers and, and uh, media all over the world, literally. and. So this is a continuation of that. And June, that New York Times article was interesting to me that came out yesterday because that confirms that we're doing something right. If 30 years later they have to keep defending an indefensible product, which we know is toxic, then... let me yeah. just
0: interject here for a moment. Sure. I don't mean to interrupt you, but for folks that are listening that want to know which article you're referring to, folks, if you go to the New York Times, this article is titled, The Evidence Supports Artificial Sweeteners Over Sugar, and it was published on July 27th by Aaron E. Carroll. So that's at the New York Times. You can go to the com. And you can find the article, and it is basically um, (laughs) there are a lot of different points that this author is trying to make. So, Mary, let's let's continue this conversation because this has been a subject that has literally been exploding all over social media. People are talking about it, and a lot of people are saying, you know, what's going on here. Why is there a push for artificial sweeteners now?
1: Because we're doing our job. I mean, people are rejecting the artificial sweeteners. Uh, it's it's the reason Diet Pepsi is switching to another sweetener. It's the reason Yoplait yogurt took aspartame out of their product to their credit. And mainstream media is jumping on it uh, now more than they did before. And so in defense of the product and the industry, they are having to, they being the industry, sweetener industry, are having to put out all this PR saying that their products are safe and healthy and natural and how could anybody think otherwise. This professor of pediatrics, is the author of that article. And to me, that's even worse than just somebody somewhere writing an article because he teaches how to help children get well and stay healthy. And pediatricians have embraced the artificial sweeteners because they've been told that it is good for children. Well, I'm here to say... It is not. In fact, I, I think uh, you know that Dr. John Olney, who was the expert on brain tumors and aspartame and the amino acid, aspartic acid, and MSG uh, with glutamic acid, he was an expert on all of those things. He died this, this year in April. But Dr. John Olney said there is no acceptable amount of aspartame for children to ingest, none, no acceptable amount, not even the ADI, the uh, uh, recommended daily intake, which is 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight for for kids. And he said, it's just toxic, and especially for the developing brain. Well, he's not the only neurologist and, and uh doctor and researcher who said that and is saying that still. It's it's uh, mind-boggling that they are still scrambling to support and promote a product which they know full well is is toxic. They know it. They can't help I it. Seems it so I know
0: this, it. Yeah. It seems as though this seems to be the, I guess, the direction that industry takes, and it doesn't matter which industry it is, once they start seeing that their profits are taking a big hit, they all seem to operate from the same playbook where they start putting out articles that support whatever the chemical is or whatever the product is are becoming aware of or, or are learning about and are saying, you know, we don't want this. We're not buying it. We don't want to use it. We don't want it being used. Yes. So, you know, we're seeing what the neonicotinoid systemic pesticides with mm-hmm. these, all sorts of articles that are trying desperately to make these products available on the market and people know that it's, it, it, it's not true. Look at DDT, right? Right. And and DDT—they, yes, their part. They desperately tried to hang on to DDT, and inevitably, it was banned. And then, you know, now how many years later we're seeing the effects. So, Mary, let me just ask you a couple of questions about the history of aspartame. Who invented it, and and how did it evolve to being on the market? It's being sold on the market in so many different, as an ingredient for so many different products, rather. I mean, we're seeing it not only in low-calorie sweeteners, but we're mm-hmm. seeing it in over-the-counter health and beauty products. Uh, we're seeing it in cold medicine. We're seeing it in yeah. dental floss, which is a very yeah. big pet peeve of mine. Yeah. So how did yeah. that happen?
1: Well, and, and also in cattle feed. And ironically, they're using aspartame or neotame in cattle feed to fatten cattle up for slaughter and uh, market. So they know it doesn't make you skinny. They wouldn't feed it to cattle that they were trying to bulk up and and make fatter. So, yeah, they know it's it's just like the tobacco industry. You mentioned uh, neonicotinoids. It's uh, the tobacco issue parallels the aspartame sweetener issue almost to a T. And the reason I know that is because the tobacco industry screamed to high heaven that their product was safe and didn't cause heart attacks, strokes, lung cancer, wrinkles in in people, nothing like that, you know. No, no problems from smoking. In fact, a lot of doctors recommended it for people to calm them down and, and soothe their nerves. Uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine, for example, there's an ad from the 1950s that said more doctors smoke camels than any other brand. And now you can just say, June, more doctors use aspartame and diet sweeteners than any other sweetener. And we know that because in 1987, when the newspaper article came out that we were starting our organization of aspartame awareness in Dallas, they wanted a picture of a box of aspartame, a box of equal. And I said, well, I don't have any. And and they said, well, you need to find one because we've got to have that in the photograph. And I have that on my website now. But in the photograph, I had to run next door to a respected doctor's house and borrow his box of equal because he and all the doctors I knew used the artificial sweeteners. And so doctors are not aware, and if they are aware, they kind of, shy away from controversy and intimidation by the drug company because all they have to do is remind the doctors that it's a legal substance and how dare they tell their their patients it's not good for them, you know, it's, it's not illegal. And so being a whistleblower for the tobacco, against the tobacco industry, against the sweetener industry is not something I ever thought I'd be doing at this time all these years later. But it turns out that I'm in pretty good company. We've got my co-founder James Turner in Washington is a a wonderful consumer advocate attorney and he got me started into it. And I trust what he had to say about it because he had researched it uh, before I did. And there are a lot of researchers and respected doctors out there who do still have ethical uh, scruples, and they want to do the right thing regardless. And I I salute and admire those men and women out there who do.
0: Mary, can you take a moment and share with our listeners some of the myths about aspartame that industry would like people to think are completely true?
1: Some of the myths would be it's okay for pregnant women, it's okay for children, it's okay for elderly. It, we know better. We know children the developing neurological systems of uh, infants and children are not going to do well when given the toxic uh, aspartame products. And so that's a myth. The myth and, and the lie is that it's on the market legally and honestly and above board because it's such a healthy product. Well, that's a lie because they lied on their original test. The scientists did, and eventually, Donald Rumsfeld, who was the CEO of uh, the drug company that produced it, when, when he submitted this to the FDA, it was all covered up, the lab animals that had died, the ones that had seizures on aspartame, the ones that had heart attacks and kidney problems, liver disease and cancers and brain tumors and all the other things that we're seeing now as epidemic in society showed up in the lab tests that were originally done. And and it's all there, June, in a report by an FDA toxicologist. It's called the Bressler Report. He put all this uh, information that he researched together showing that it should never be on the market in the first place because they did lie. And the myth was that it was good and healthy when and didn't kill anybody when he knew better. And the FDA director obviously knew better too, but he went ahead and pushed it through. Um, it was discovered in 1965 by James Schlatter, who was looking for a cure for peptic ulcers. And supposedly he licked his finger and it tasted sweet and he thought, uh, well, maybe we'll just use this for another purpose and um, the world needs another sweetener. But before they could do that, June, they had to get rid of uh, saccharin, sweet and low. So saccharin was demonized just as sugar is being demonized now. Saccharin was being demonized in the 1970s and early 80s so that there would be clear sailing for aspartame to come in and be the salvation of uh, all the people who didn't want to have sugar and calories and that sort of thing. So they were successful for a while in demonizing saccharin and sweet and low, which hadn't really I don't think killed anybody it it affects the quality of life which is not good but it, the FDA has has approved a product illegally because it violated the Delaney clause in the food and uh, food safety act the food and cosmetic safety act it does cause cancers that that clause says nothing that causes cancer, nothing carcinogenic can be approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Well, they say it, it didn't cause cancer because all the lab animals were either resurrected on paper, you know, the ones that had died, and uh, it was presented as just great stuff. So anyway, saccharin did finally, they were allowed to come back on the market with uh, the blessings of the FDA because people had already gotten addicted to aspartame. And now you find people using um, the media. In fact, I, I say the New York Times has run in its uh, feature section a, a wonderful ad for aspartame. In doing this article, because it praises the sweetener and makes everybody think, well, the people who are against it just. But don't Mary, isn't
0: this talking. isn't this once again something that? The media has done time and time again. Look at DDT. I just want to refer to DDT again. Mm -hmm. DDT Mm -hmm. was very big before I was born. You know, I didn't live through it. You did. And from the research that I've done, promoted everywhere. There were stories on major major magazine covers, news stories all over the place. I remember seeing a video clip of children eating lunch where they were being sprayed by DDT. Mm -hmm. And I was by just looking at that, yes. and it seems as though if, if there's enough money behind the product, it, that product will get proper publicity that so will promote it and make it seem as though it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Now, having yes. said that, which, which charities, which societies accept money from the sweetener
1: industry? What a great question. I was shocked to learn many years ago that the NutraSweet company wrote the PR and and the brochures for the American Dietetic Association on sweeteners in general across the board, you know, but they praised NutraSweet and Equal of course because those were their products and the ADA allowed the company to write the brochures praising their own company. And so every time I went on the air back in the late eighties and nineties and talking about aspartame, usually I was opposed on on the same program by a registered dietitian sitting there drinking a can of diet soda. And I asked one, I said, well, adults can choose and make their own decisions, but you certainly don't recommend it for children. Oh, yes, I do. Well, then you certainly don't recommend it for pregnant women because it can cause miscarriages and birth defects and all kinds. of. Oh, yes, we certainly do promote this for everybody across the board no matter what. And I was floored, but then I saw a picture of the head of NutriSweet Public Relations giving the American Dietetic Association, Registered Dietitians, a $10,000 check that was blown up, it was enormous. And they had that in the Chicago uh, Times, I believe. And so we know, for instance, one year, June, UT Southwestern Medical School received $6 million in money from the Searle Drug Company, which produces or produced aspartame. They discovered it and produced it. We also know that Duke University, where they do a lot of the tests that are supposedly showing how safe aspartame is and and doesn't cause even migraine headaches, which we know for a fact it does. Duke University has a a Searle Center, G.D. Searle Center, and so that pharmaceutical house has donated millions and by now billions to all the pharmaceutical companies, to the colleges, universities, um if they can't bribe their way out of something they intimidate and threaten uh some of the media people that we who have had us on and and we have uh been on shows where afterwards the company either writes the head of the station and says we're going to revoke your FCC license the next time it comes up Because you've done this terrible thing, or many different yeah, many different ways. It's intimidation, and uh, like I say, the people who can't be bribed are frightened and intimidated and scared uh, because of uh, all the money behind this. This is a huge industry. The sugar industry is nothing compared to the sweetener industry, believe me. I didn't believe that at first, and I talked to somebody from the sugar industry, and and they said, oh, no. They said, we are small potatoes when it comes to um, the sweetener industry. They are way bigger than we are. And I have done some research, and I kind of believe it. And now I think they're going after sugar so hard, they being the other other side that we're trying to create an awareness about. Um, they're demonizing sugar so that their product will not slip in the, the profit margins and sales, which it's doing now. And so in order to do that, they have to do the same thing they did with saccharin. And that's mm. practically get it off the market completely or have people think it's so hideous. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember way, way back, many decades ago when I was growing up, everybody used refined sugar. I mean, it was Texas. Everybody drank sweet tea and and you could see the sugar layer of sugar in the bottom of the iced tea glasses. And, So there was nobody in my little hometown who had cancer, nobody. Nobody was morbidly obese many, many decades ago. I'm talking about six, seven decades ago. uh, There was no childhood obesity. There weren't brain tumors uh, epidemic in society and even lung cancer. And most people smoked back then, but they didn't have lung cancer like they're having now. And one of the reasons is because of formaldehyde in tobacco smoke. And formaldehyde is also in aspartame as a breakdown product of methanol, the wood alcohol.
0: Oh, they're getting they're getting preserved before they're
1: they exactly. need to be
0: preserved once they're they're dead at the funeral home. That, exactly, embalming yeah.
1: is is what. We're giving our kids, and it's, it's got to stop. And
0: it certainly has, Mary. And, you know, thank you for all of the work that you've been doing, all of the years that you've been doing this. Every time I see someone drinking a diet whatever, mm-hmm. I tell them, do you have any idea what you're doing? And just the other day I said to this lady at church, I said, do you normally drink diet soda and she said oh I was thirsty and I said do you have any idea what you're doing to yourself and I got in the whole topic about Mm -hmm. Mary Nash Stoddard and all the work that you've been doing and how all it really just takes is one beverage that can begin that unhealthy process that unhealthy chain of events so so Mary I just want to say thank you for all the work that you've been doing Mary, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to Come on the show today. Could you just share your contact information with our listeners, so especially people that are not sure whether or not they're suffering from the effects of aspartame as well as other artificial
1: sweeteners can get in touch with you? Thanks, June. We have an email address for Reporting Adverse Reactions, or for questions about reactions and aspartame. That email address is Mary Stodd, M-A-R-Y-S-T-O-D, at airmail.net. Please email me. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you,
0: Mary. And folks, please check out the companion article, which will be available at theorganicview.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Steuer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.